Hey guys, welcome back to the Mom Light Podcast. I'm your host, Kanchan Koya, a Harvard-trained PhD in molecular biology turned founder of Spice Spice Baby, where I shed light on the power of ancient spices and show you how you can use them in recipes your whole family will love. Talk about breaking from convention there. I'm also a certified health coach and ultra passionate about the power of food and lifestyle to help us thrive and feel our best. Through the Mom Light Podcast, I want to help my fellow moms find more health, vitality, and vibrancy in sometimes chaotic and demanding mom life. Before we jump into the show, I would firstly like to thank you for tuning into the podcast. It's been so encouraging to see all your reviews and feedback. I would so appreciate it if you could leave a review if you haven't done so already or rating on iTunes, which will help more people find and benefit from the show. Today on the show, guys, I am super, super stoked. We have a very special guest. Tyler Jean is the founder of the wildly popular Instagram account and Facebook page, Functional Foods, um, spelled functional.foods, which has become my go-to resource for food and health knowledge and inspiration. He really is a treasure trove, a wealth of knowledge. I'm like, Tyler, how do you have all this in your head? I don't understand, but it's amazing. If you check out his page, you will immediately see why. Tyler is an aspiring naturopathic doctor who attends the National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon, which I've never been to, but really want to visit. He believes that a practitioner has the unique opportunity to be a teacher and a mentor, which I love, who encourages others to take self-responsibility for their health and empower um, their patients and the general public with the knowledge necessary for living a healthy, happy, and sustainable life. This is totally why I was drawn to his page, why I invited him on the show, and I know it's going to be such a treat for you guys. Tyler believes that while it can be easy to get caught up in the latest fads and dietary trends, food, the food we eat really creates the foundation for life, and he's going to share his food philosophy with us today. Without further ado, welcome, Tyler. Thank you, Kanchan. It's exciting to be here. Um, how is Portland? I am dying to visit. Is it worth a visit? It definitely is. It has a huge health and wellness scene here, and the outdoors and the access to nature here is incredible. I live in downtown Portland, and I'm about a mile and a half away from nature. If I just completely want to immerse myself, go for a nature bath, I have that access, and then the city of Portland, it's more of a small, big city, and you have bigger cities like Seattle surrounding it, but the access to nature, I think, is what makes Portland so special, and it has a huge health and wellness scene. It's a big foodie city, so if you love food, they got something for everybody, uh, and I really love the community aspect of Portland. It's ultimately why I chose Portland amongst all the other schools that I was interviewing at when I was looking at medical schools. Um, but the summer here in Portland, the summer and the fall, you cannot beat it. Uh, it does get a little dark and gloomy during the winter months and a lot of rain. Uh, there's no escaping that, but um, Portland is definitely a must visit if you have not been. Okay, I am convinced. And I am always jealous of your beautiful nature walks that I see on Instagram stories. Tyler has the best Instagram stories, uh, which I'm going to ask a funny question about the stories later. <laughs> I am not going to forget. Um, so let's jump right in. What inspired you to create Functional Foods, the Facebook page and the Instagram page? Yeah. And when I started Functional Foods, this was in end of April, beginning of May of 2016. So it's almost been three years now. Um, and for me, I was just kind of going into the unknown. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was really passionate about food and food is medicine. And that passion first started when I was an athlete competing at the division one level. I was a swimmer in college and I started to hit a plateau in my ability to recover and just continuously improve my time. So for the first time in my life, I really started to look at the food I was fueling my body with and how that could impact my ability to perform day in and day out and recover, which is fundamental for any athlete that is looking to improve their performance. Uh, so ultimately, it led me to starting to reduce a lot of the hyper 
palatable processed foods that I was eating and a lot of the sugary foods that we all love and starting to, you know, shift more to whole foods and also more of a plant-based approach. I actually went um, all the way to vegetarian, to vegan, and then all the way back on the other side through this whole process and finding this balanced approach that really works best for me. And through this journey, I'd really say that I have found that you know, there's no one diet right for everyone. And that I wanted to share this message with as many people as possible that, you know, there are fundamental, you know, tools that people can use when they're trying to figure out what is best to eat for them. But ultimately, everybody's a little bit different and what works well for some person may not work well for others. So I got this inspiration to start sharing my knowledge of what I was learning, both in the classroom and from, you know, podcasts and books that I've been listening to and curate it on a feed that would give people the knowledge that they need so that they can choose and make informed decisions on what is best for them when it comes to food. Because I really believe food, while it's not the only factor that um, is responsible for health, it's definitely the one that we have the most control of. And we are putting food in our body every single day. So it's a very powerful tool that we can use food to really nourish our bodies from the inside out that make us feel good, make us live this very vibrant life. Uh, and also the, the prevention aspect too, which is a really big principle in naturopathic medicine. Um, and so that was something that I wanted to share. And it was also a great creative outlet for me too, as well as sharing uh, recipes um, and getting back in the kitchen and learning how to cook on my own because I have no experience. It's, it's all been this trial and error over the last years. And so I wanted to share that you know, you can eat a more plant-centric diet and you can, you know, eat certain foods that you enjoy, but that there's healthier ways and it tastes good. It doesn't have to taste boring because if it tastes boring, it's not going to be sustainable. Oh man, I love that. There's so much gold there in what you said. Um, I want to understand a little bit about that transition you made from, I'm assuming, a more standard American diet when you were an athlete to a whole food-based diet. Um, Were you eating a lot of junk? Yeah, for the most part. You know, it's funny. I was known by my teammates to have the best snacks. I would go and visit Costco and I would get all those foods from, you know, peanut butter pretzels to trail mix to um, sour candy. I ate probably a pound of sour gummy candy every single week. It was my kryptonite. Um, And I had a huge too. And, um, you know, really as an athlete where I was training upwards of 20 hours every week uh, for swimming, I was mostly concerned about calories and making sure that I was just eating enough. I'm already a very lean guy and I was too when I was swimming. So I didn't really have to think about, you know, how much I was eating in terms of weight maintenance or weight loss or worry about putting on weight because I simply needed the calories. But it was this fundamental shift of it not thinking of just like what I'm putting in my body in terms of how much it was the quality and the types of food that I was fueling my body with and flooding my body with these antioxidants and these micronutrients, more focus on the micronutrients over the macronutrients. Granted, I was still trying to focus on getting in enough carbohydrates and protein to fuel my daily um, activities and also to build my body up. But I ultimately did decide to go from just a very high carbohydrate, very high meat centric diet, I would say. And really the only vegetables that were in my diet at the time were potatoes, sweet potatoes and spinach for the most part. So um, I really made this huge shift and went from one extreme to the other where I cut out all animal products uh, other than eggs and dairy for about six months and then ultimately went vegan for 18 months. And that was a huge learning experience for me and ultimately I think taught me that there's this whole aspect when it comes to nutrition. And um, while I was eating a lot of great foods that my body was craving some of these other foods that did have more bioavailable nutrients and that for my body type, my body just got super depleted. I was very catabolic. I ended up being cachexic and losing 12 pounds within a little over a month and a half. And it led me to have to take an entire month off of training. And this was four months before the Olympic trials in 2016, and nobody ever would take a month off. Wow. Can I interrupt for a second? So 
when you lost all that weight, this is after you had made the switch um, to kind of, so it, right. And that, so that's where you started to explore what was right for you versus like mm-hmm. what people say should be the ideal diet, right? Yeah. And this was again, about 15 months into being vegan. I felt amazing on a vegan diet for a little over, I'd say 13 months. Over the first year, I felt amazing. My times improved. I would tell everybody it's the best diet. I always feel amazing and that everyone needs to do it. And, you know, I had really gone down this rabbit hole of uh, researching a lot of what is promoted on the benefits of a vegan diet from a nutritional standpoint. I started vegan because I was looking for nutritional superiority. It was not for the animal welfare and animal rights that I know a lot of people also will do vegan for. Um, But ultimately, my body just could not keep up with demand I was putting on it and all the stressors. Um, And being somebody that is from an Ayurvedic perspective, I am a Pitta Vata. So my body needs more. I'm a Pitta Kapha. I just, I mean, I've always known that, but anyway, love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. My body's more prone to being catabolic too. And the catabolic nature of veganism was, was not sustainable for my body long-term, even though I still like to eat a very plant centric diet. So I learned that I ended up um, paying the price in a way where I uh, was just overtrained and I could never get out of it. And by the time that it manifested about 15 months in, I took a month off with swimming and weight training and just tried to do things that were more relaxing. And I started incorporating more fish and taking all these supplements and start working with a naturopathic doctor. But ultimately I was in such a deficit at that time that it took my body a good year and a half to actually get to where I am today after being full vegan. So again, every person is different. But at the time, especially that last three months when I was really struggling, like, should I start eating animal product again? that I'm so, um, what's the best way to put it? I was so sure that veganism was the best diet for everyone. And it had to be the best diet for me because that's what everyone I was listening to was saying. And that I was putting my trust in all these other people that they knew what was best for me. And that honestly wasn't the case. So it was really coming to terms with, you know, this isn't the best and kind of opening my mind to other possibilities and listening to other people out there that come from this more well-rounded approach. And so it was starting to formulate what was best for me based on the knowledge I knew and I then then knew and continue to take that information and assimilate it uh, in order to serve me the best way possible. And that's something that I've ultimately incorporated into functional foods because I did start functional foods as a vegan Instagram account and vegan recipes. But over time, I realized that a strict vegan lifestyle was not sustainable for me in terms of my ability to feel like I was living this vibrant life. Um, And so I ultimately transitioned it to being more educational based and still incorporating the recipes because people always want to know what they can do with that knowledge and how to make these recipes. But, you know, I would say that that definitely has a role and played a role in how I transitioned my content to over the last year and a half for functional foods was learning some of these things myself and then wanting to get information i learned through my experience to these people so that they can make the best decision for them. Yeah. So, wow. Um, kudos to you for listening to your body and making the shift that was necessary because very often we get caught up in what the ideal diet should be. So if you were to tell a, a, one of my listeners, well, many of whom are mothers who are probably exposed to all the dietary fads, like whether it's keto, I get questions about, you know, what's the ideal diet? What do you tell people if they ask you, what is the ideal diet for humans? Yeah. And you know, a question too, I get too, is with all of this natural medicine and food that I talk about on my page, for people that are just getting started because it can be so overwhelming, where do I start? And I always say that I think the foundation and the principle is just getting back to eating whole, unadulterated, real food. And what I mean by real food is food that comes from the earth that is made by mother nature and food that is unprocessed 
process and that you would find out in the wild, whether that would be animal products such as eggs or, um, you know, meat or fish, or that just being a lot of the tubers and the vegetables and the fruits that we find in our environment, nuts and seeds, all those herbs and spices that you love to talk about. Um, you know, just being away, minimizing or trying to avoid a lot of those processed foods that come in boxes, boxes, packages, and that basically are, you know, microwavable, toaster oven, whatever it would be. Um, you know, that's always the first place to start, but also, you know, eating an adequate amount of food that is also incorporates a lot of variety of these foods too, because kale may be great, but if you're only eating kale, you're missing out on a lot of other micronutrients and other nutrients. And, you know, you hear that avocado is great source of fat, but if you're only eating avocado, you're missing out on all these other things. So really it's taking all these different uh, varieties of foods out there and finding what works best for your body and making sure that you're nourishing your body with real whole food and not trying to um, deprive your body of food because you are trying to fit a certain image. And so I think that's another really important thing too, is by focusing on real whole food, wholesome food, that you can really eat in abundance and you don't really have to limit yourself as much. You know, there is that law of thermodynamics and and you know the counting calories but for the most part if you are eating whole food you're going to better regulate your hunger hormones too it's going to be harder to overeat if you're focusing on a lot of uh, wholesome food yeah i can fully attest to that having been through my own journey um to whole food and um uh what was i gonna say no, I love it. <laughs> I love the message. Um, I think, oh yeah, no, I know what I was going to say. I was going to say that I was recently at a talk on the microbiome and there was a world famous researcher who specializes in the microbiome. And he literally said the variety of good bacteria in your microbiome are directly proportional to the variety of plant-based foods that you eat. So I love the point that you raised about, yes, kale is great. Yes, avocado is great. But everyday kale and avocado is not great. You really need to embrace the variety that mother nature has so kindly provided. I love that point. Yes, absolutely. So, um, what made you decide then to go into naturopathic versus conventional medicine? Yeah, um, that is a great question. It's a big question, but one I love to always talk about. And I know in New York, naturopathic medicine is not a licensed there. The state of New York is not a licensed state for naturopathic medicine. So not everybody knows about what naturopathic medicine is, what a naturopathic physician is. I didn't know until I had already graduated and I was in this dilemma of, I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And so I had graduated and I had pursued a degree in cell and molecular biology at the University of California, Santa Barbara. I thought I wanted to get into research actually, because when I was going through the typical pre-med route, I knew that I took, I wanted to take a more preventative and holistic way to health that included encompassed nutrition. And I knew that our conventional care system and our medical model ignored a lot of food and how food can be instrumental and even healing. So I started thinking about, you know, okay, I'd either go and be a, a DO or go back and do a master's in nutrition to supplement that. There was no, you know, functional medicine really at that time in 2015. At least it wasn't as, it wasn't a hot topic like it is today. Um, so I ended up going and working in a, in a laboratory, and I actually studied um, a lot of the mechanistic consequences of SNPs. So these are single nucleotide polymorphisms, mutations in the complement system, mm. and how they either increase your risk or protect you from developing age-related macular degeneration. So um, that was an amazing experience, and I actually got to work with a lot of human embryonic stem cells and do a lot of... Uh, stem cell work, which really opened my eyes to the amazing benefits of stem cells. And in our London lab, they started the London Project to Cure Blindness, and in clinical trials, were able to actually reverse vision loss through stem cell um, transplantation therapy for people that had AMD. It was very amazing to be a part of that. But ultimately, um, as we were talking about before, uh, I didn't want to be in a hood, under a hood, and working in a lab eight to 12 hours a day. And also working with cell cultures, it's like having children. You can't just neglect them and go and leave on a weekend. You're still coming in at all hours and making sure they're oh, fed and yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. I've done that. <laughs> 
So I didn't want that responsibility in a way. So I ended up getting into clinical research and I worked in clinical research with type one diabetics and the development of an artificial pancreas system, which is basically like an um, automated insulin delivery system for people with type one diabetes. And it was ultimately through that exposure that I was really like, you know what? I want to get into clinical practice. I want to work with people one-on-one and same working part-time in the laboratory research and the clinical research. I was also TAing at the University of California, Santa Barbara in nutrition. And the teacher happened to be a naturopathic doctor. I had no clue what naturopathic medicine was at the time, but it was after taking her course and picking her brain and learning more from her that I was like, you know what? This is literally what I want to do with the rest of my life. It was like that moment where it's like, I know what I want to do with the rest of my life. And it was just amazing to kind of feel that sense of relief and gratification that like, this is the route I'm going to take. And so I started to look into the programs a lot more. I went on these student for a day visits where I would tour all the schools and there's currently six schools in North America for naturopathic medicine. So it really narrows it down. It doesn't make it as overwhelming as um, the allopathic medical uh, paradigm for applying for medical school. So I toured those schools and ultimately, as I mentioned earlier, I loved Portland and the community and the access to nature and the overall vibes that I got from it in this wellness scene and, you know, being a foodie myself, just all of the options and variety of food. So I ultimately got right into it. I applied the next year and I got accepted and, you know, I really haven't turned back since. And, you know, it's a passion of mine that continuously grows. And, you know, when I first applied, I had a completely different path I was thinking I was taking. And now that I'm two years in, you know, I'm thinking of doing even greater and and bigger things. And so it's always evolving as I'm going through school, but I love the philosophy and the foundations of naturopathic medicine, which are to do no harm. Um, the aspect of prevention, uh, dolce re, which, which resonates the most with me, which means doctor is teacher in Latin. So a really that empowerment aspect and teaching their patients of why they're doing something. Uh, so not only are we getting to the roots cause, which is another principle, but when you patients know why they're doing something, they're more likely to follow through and to commit. Um, and so that is really powerful that we can equip our patients with that knowledge and treat the whole person as another principle of naturopathic medicine. So again, it comes back to more of that holistic approach that functional medicine encompasses that, and a lot of functional medicine got its roots from traditional naturopathy. Wow. That makes me want to go see a naturopath like stat. (laughs) Do you, that's such a beautiful set of principles. And by the way, sorry for the screaming in the background. That's just my kids. Um, I'm actually holed up in their room right now. It's hashtag mom life on the mom light show anyway. (laughs) But yeah, question is, I mean, should everyone at some point in their life see a naturopathic practitioner? It definitely sounds like it would be beneficial. Yeah. So it it definitely depends on the individual and what they're working with. I mean, you can see depending on which state you live in, there's currently 23 states that license naturopathic medicine and those naturopathic doctors are seen as primary care physicians. So it is a state by state regulation in the state of New York. I know that they have legislation in the works and hopefully in the next two years, they will become a licensed state. Uh, So people could see naturopathic doctors there. Um, There are a lot of naturopathic doctors that are in Manhattan and uh, New York City. Uh, They don't practice as naturopathic doctors, but they typically are an acupuncturist or they're trained in hypnotherapy or they have studied Chinese medicine or they're nutritionists. And so they have this wealth of knowledge from their naturopathic uh, graduate program, but they kind of bill and practice under a different name. Um, but it's been really exciting. And one of the things I forgot to mention is when I was getting into naturopathic medicine, you know, not everybody knows about it. And so I wanted to get into something that was new. It was exciting and it was growing. I didn't want to get something that was stagnant and I didn't full heartedly believe in. And so for me, naturopathic medicine was that, that growing field that I thought was going to provide so much value to people in society. And I really wanted to be a part of this growing movement of, you know, this more holistic root cause perspective to medicine. And that can really help so many people. And I guess to answer your question, I think naturopathic medicine can be great for some people. They want 
you know, a pharmaceutical drug. So I think the great thing about naturopathic medicine too, is they will meet the person where they're at. And we are well-versed in pharmacology and depending on which state you practice in, you may have full rights to prescribe medications. So it really depends on the state in terms of what you can and can't do. But ultimately, it's having this really large toolkit, which I love to say is naturopaths, we have this very extensive toolkit to really pull from to help our patient with where they're at. Because with some people, people they may be more at high risk and they actually need some pharmaceutical medication to preserve the quality of life right now while we're really starting to peel back those layers of the onion to figure out what's going on. But ultimately, we want to get our patients off those drugs. We want people to get off the supplements even. But you know they are important and they have a, serve an important time and place in treatment protocols. But again, trying to really equip our patients with that knowledge so that they can, in a way, be their own best doctor, as I know Dr. Jess would say. Uh, because I think knowledge really is power and we're, we're, we're really changing the paradigm by putting the power in the patient's hands instead of creating this polarizing dynamic where the doctor knows all and they know what's best for you. And that's not always the case. Yeah, that is so well said. I mean, obviously your teaching commitment is resonating because there's over a hundred thousand people that follow functional foods on Instagram and um, you're adding so much value and empowering people, and it's an amazing thing. So let's jump into, I guess, what I consider or what I see when I work with clients, a lot of times mothers as a health coach, um, the most common concerns that come up. So the most common concern is weight loss. And I know you've talked about this on Instagram and in your stories. Um, I guess it's a common universal concern these days because so many reasons, but essentially we're swimming in calories and we've evolved to be sort of very efficient um, in situations where we don't have very many calories. So um, there's this whole evolutionary mismatch and whatnot. So what would be like your food and lifestyle-based advice or your general advice to people who want to lose weight, feel lighter, um, but do it in a healthy, balanced and fun way? Yeah. And I love that you incorporated the fun aspect too, because the weight loss journey or even a healing journey, it's going to be uncomfortable at times because you're doing things that are new and that you're not familiar with. And so it can be very uncomfortable and not a fun process in the beginning. So if you embrace it with the attitude that this is going to teach me something and that it is a journey and I'm in it for the long run and you develop a good relationship around it, it's going to totally change your motivation for wanting to lose weight or to heal in the first place, which I think is important because not everybody too, I've realized through all the education that I do, or even going to eventually get into a clinical practice that not everybody wants to lose weight, even if they are overweight or obese and not everybody wants to heal. And again, it takes work and not necessarily everybody wants to put the work in. Granted, a lot of people need to know where do I even start? Um, because I think that's the big scary thing is not knowing where to start. And so you can be overwhelmed with all this information, but it's like, I need an actionable plan to actually get going. So for most people, what I've talked about on my Instagram, when it comes to weight loss is some of those basics I talked about, um, with food earlier on. And that's just getting back to eating wholesome, real unadulterated food and really focusing on a more plant centric approach where you're eating a lot of, you know, fruits and vegetables and trying to make that, um, you know, 70 to 80% of your diet. But then again, every person's going to have different levels of tolerance to certain fruits or vegetables, depending on the gut microbiome and their ability to digest certain foods, or maybe they're coming off a standard American diet. They're not used to eating a lot of fiber. And so if they just all of a sudden eat, you know, 60 grams of fiber and all these plant-based meals, uh, within a day, you know, it's going to really impact their digestion and they're going to feel it. So it's, you know, getting back to eating whole real foods, I think surrounding a lot of your meals around plants, especially those vegetables. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's no discourse that vegetable is that vegetables are bad. And most healthcare practitioners agree that we need more of them. And so, you know, you really can't go wrong with eating more vegetables. So starting there, and then something that's, you know, I think is practical for everybody else, but maybe it isn't, but I think we all know it's just getting sleep. And so prioritizing sleep because of the numerous benefits it does just to rejuvenate the body, to aid in detoxification overnight, 
to um, improving cognitive function and our ability to actually retain the information that we are taking in from our surrounding environment on a daily basis. And so that's also going to impact our blood sugar. And I know I've been on my story talking a lot more on blood sugar and you've talked about it before and how important blood sugar is when it comes to wanting to lose weight. Because if you have really elevated, chronically elevated blood sugar and you have high fasting insulin levels, you're never going to be able to tap into body fat because insulin is an anabolic hormone and it is a fat storing hormone as well. So that's where, you know, the science of fasting comes in. And I know you could talk a lot about fasting and how amazing that is from your experience. And, you know, where, you know, prolonged fasting, short-term fasting, intermittent fasting, time-restricted feeding comes in, you know, it's not for everybody, but, you know, eating foods that are really high in fiber that also contain fats and lean protein, which are going to help stabilize blood sugar and you're getting good sleep. That's also going to help stabilize blood sugar. Um, so thinking about how the foods we eat impact our blood sugar and when we're eating a lot of these processed foods, these hyper palatable carbohydrates and sugary foods, it's going to impact our blood sugar to a greater degree compared to eating um, a more balanced meal. So I always talk about you know, exercise is great. Use it as a tool, um, not as a form of punishment for maybe eating foods that you typically wouldn't eat. Um, and also focusing, you know, more on the movement aspect. I like to say, are you moving or how are you moving your body as opposed to, are you exercising? Because exercise can also come off with a negative connotation as a form of punishment. We're doing these boot camp classes and we're working out twice a day because we're trying to make up for this caloric surplus that we may have intaken from the holidays or eating out at restaurants than we typically would be eating at home. So there's a whole part two of finding that food freedom and enhancing your relationship with food and being more of a conscious consumer in that regard as well. So there's a lot of little tidbits from that too, but I guess to sum it all up for your audience, it would definitely be to focus on eating real whole food, making vegetables and a lot of those plants the main players, and then also prioritizing sleep, not neglecting the importance of stress management. Um, and community, I would say is also really important too. Um, and, um, you know, don't stress the little things because stress also plays a big impact in our inability to lose weight. Yeah. Wonderful tips there. Thank you, Tyler. I would say the two that I really feel like, um, resonated with me now, especially as I'm evolving in my kind of weight maintenance journey, having struggled with excess weight for a big part of my life is, um, the the joy in movement so really kind of not really saying i'm working out or you know exercising but saying i'm celebrating being alive by moving and especially for mothers who don't necessarily have that one hour to go to the gym or the two hours to go to crossfit or whatever you know little tiny opportunities to move their body can be so impactful even if it's just for their mental well-being which we know is so intricately tied to stress levels, ability to lose weight. It's really not just about, am I burning 500 calories on the treadmill? Um, and then I also like the fasting thing has changed my life, but I would say everybody should at least fast for 12 hours at night, like between dinner and breakfast. So yeah, great, great, great um, tips. Love it. And then the other thing that comes up a lot um, that I would love for you to share any wisdom on is fatigue. So some fatigue is normal in motherhood. We are all tired. We're, we're juggling a million things. But so are you, you know, and you've been an athlete. Like you're not a mom, not yet, but you're, yeah. you've been an athlete. You're in school. You have clinical rotations. You have this very um, active Instagram page. You're creating content. So you're juggling things in your own way. Um, so, you know, there is this, yeah, this question of like, I'm so tired. I don't have the bandwidth. I'm exhausted. Like, is this kind of fatigue? Like, what are some of the most common causes of this kind of debilitating fatigue and what can people do about it? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think we live in a society now where it's encouraged to be go, go, go. How much can you add to your plate? You know, I'll sleep when I die. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, the grind, hustle, hustle. Um, but I think it's really, it's really starting to burn people out. And so one thing that I've really started to learn from my experience with school is trading in this perfectionist mentality and type A mentality that I used to, um, you know, 
boastfully um, share with people in undergrad is that, you know, oh, I'd pull all these all-nighters and that I'm getting all these A's, but trading in those grades for finding balance in my life. And so for me, that's self-care, that's going outside, that's taking a walk, that's getting fresh air, that's coming back to my breath, that's doing things that light me up, that um, fall in line with my purpose. And I really believe that my purpose is here to educate. That I was, was what I would say is my passion is educating others and that creative freedom that comes with social media, which I think is an amazing platform when a lot of times too, the school system can really strip us of those creative rights um, because it really tries to formulate us into these um, boxes of this is who we are and this is how we're expected to be. Um, and so for me, Instagram has actually been an amazing outlet, even though it's time commitment in addition to being in school and doing all these other things, it honestly brings me the most joy because um, it really aligns with my purpose and my ability to impact other people. And realizing that, you know, I sought, sought out on this medical school journey because I want to be a doctor and I want to help people and knowing that I'm helping people every day already and I'm only a second year student is amazing. And I have to remind myself that too. Um, because sometimes I'll get discouraged by, you know, a post not doing as well and kind of just taking it more to heart and just realize, like, realizing that like, if this is helping one person, that is more than enough. Um, it's not about the likes. It's not about the engagement as much as, you know, it's easy to, to look at those things and, and compare that as our quality of worth, worth, but ultimately too, something that really resonated with me. And I hope this is helpful for the moms listening to this is my coach would always tell me back in um, undergrad that, you know, if you really, you'd always say this phrase, find a way. And I really believe that if you truly want to accomplish something or you something you're passionate about enough about something, you will find a way to make it work. And it comes back to reprioritizing what is important to you. Because if let's say healthy eating, and if maybe you have a hard time eating healthy and like you can, we can make all these excuses as to why we don't have the time or fatigue, stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes I come up with these excuses too, but I have to be honest with myself. And it's like, I'm just not prioritizing it. So I need to reprioritize my priorities and figure out what is it that I want and what's going to make, you know, be the biggest difference and move that needle for me. And so um, it's finding that state of balance, trading in, I guess, those straight A's, even though I still get great grades, but like not obsessing over school that I, the way I used to and pulling all-nighters and being so uh, rigid and this perfectionist mindset and letting go of that because it did not serve me. And it was just getting in my, my way to actually enjoy this whole process and journey that medical school is. Um, and then finding that, that balance approach, being able to exercise, to get outdoors, to do things that I love, like content creation, educating people, recipe creating, getting in the kitchen, spending time with loved ones and that whole community aspect. Um, you know, I think that's something that is so important. And then again, it's going to be different for every person, but you know, life is meant for creating and we are the creators of our lives and it's not meant to just go through the day-to-day -day motions and there's so much out there if you reframe and reshape your mindset that you know life is in your favor you just have to get out of your own way and rewrite your own narrative amazing yeah i would say mothers listening itch the perfectionism <laughs> let go let's all chill out a little bit um Seriously, yeah, that's so relevant to motherhood as well, where there is this huge pressure to be perfect and get everything done. And it's just not going to happen whether you're a mother or not. And you're going to drive yourself into the ground and have all these health issues as a result of it. So I love that reminder. Um, life should be fun and a celebration, not a stress test. <laughs> I'm sure you can um, relate to this too, that you know, all moms are doing the best that they can for their child. and you can't, you know, feel guilty or judge yourself because maybe you messed up or maybe you learned that this wasn't the best thing, but you can only do what with the knowledge that you know, and you can't beat yourself up over that. So you can only do the best you can with what you know, and that is okay. But being receptive and open-minded to change and other possibilities, I think is also equally important, but just not to get hung up over those little things that, oh, I didn't feed my children. 
oh, like I just didn't make the best investment in my child in this way. It's like you made the best decision at that time, but you can't beat yourself up over the little things. Yeah. And you know, I love how you combine that with that uh, amazing piece of advice, which is find a way. So yes, we are overstretched and we need to let go of perfectionism as mothers, but we have to prioritize our health and vitality because you cannot pour from an empty cup. You just cannot. It doesn't work. So you prioritize your health and vitality. You prioritize movement as celebration or eating or cooking for yourself, taking that five minutes extra to sit down and have your lunch and you find a way. So you also tame, take extreme ownership and responsibility, but you also let go. And it's like a really fine dance almost that you have to do. <laughs> um, but it's it's a really great kind of um, you know pair of advice, if you will, um, because it's it's not enough to be like it's okay. I won't go to the gym. I'm so tired. Like that's not what we're going for. Um, we're going for balance. So speaking of balance, do you ever get sick of eating clean, eating so well? Like, has there been a time when you're like, I'm just done. I'm gonna go go to like Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a really, really long time since I've been to Burger King. Um, but yeah, I mean, I used to almost overly obsess about food, probably to a state of more orthorexia where I was so, um, obsessed with clean eating and that everything had to be, you know, made from scratch. I couldn't eat out at restaurants, um, that it had to be prepared a certain way of certain oils. Um, and then it ended up being a bigger stressor than it was helping me personally. So I realized that if I was stressing over all these little things and nuances over food, that that also wasn't healthy. And I wanted to be in a good place and good relationship with my food. And knowing that, you know, again, I can only do the best with what I have available. So if I'm at a restaurant, find the best option. You know, it can't be that I can't go out and enjoy these things from time to time. And ultimately, like you were saying, it comes back to balance. I realize it's like, you know, that, you know, a donut isn't the healthiest thing for us, but if we're having a donut in the context of a very wholesome nutrient dense diet, you know, nine days out of 10, like it's really very minuscule if you're already, you know, relatively healthy. Um, so it's like what people will call cheat meals, but I don't even really like to call them cheat meals because I'm kind of consciously choosing to eat these foods. Um, and there's no guilt associated with it, but in the past there would be kind of like, Oh, I just ate a whole pizza and I should probably skip my next meal because I ate a whole pizza or the preparation that I was talking about not being able to eat out at restaurants. So I think that's something that a lot of people can get caught up in, even though they are nourishing their body and they just can be over obsessed with that. So that's something that I definitely did deal with at a point and I've just found so much, um, ease of mind by just letting go. And it comes back to the school thing too. And just not putting these extreme demands on myself and just doing the best that I can, because I think that's all we could ever ask of ourselves is that, and say like, you know what? I did the best I can with what I knew and the resources I have. I cannot ask for anything better. But again, keeping an open mind to change because I want to always be growing and I always want to be learning and then seeing how I can apply what I have learned to implement best practices for myself. Um, so yeah, I guess that's the biggest thing that I guess I have dealt with on this journey over the last six years with food. Um, but I feel like I'm at a very comfortable place now with my relationship with food and giving myself permission to enjoy some of these foods that I previously would say I would absolutely never eat those sort of, sort of things. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, my first guest on Mom Light, the podcast, um, said, I am enough. She's an anxiety specialist. And she said, if we can just change the narrative, internal narrative, and remind ourselves we are enough as we are, we don't have to do anything to be worthy of acceptance, love, or even like, yeah, just worth. Um, and then you can still improve and grow from a place of creativity and love, but it doesn't need to come from this place of like fear and lack. Um, and I think you know, that's ultimately like what I'm pursuing, getting into that state permanently. So um, I think that's such a great reminder. Um, you don't need to be 100% perfect and you don't, yeah, you don't need to tie it to self-worth. Even when, even clean eating can sometimes become tied to self-worth. Absolutely. So um, your morning routine is like epic, epic. 
I love watching <laughs> what you do every morning. I'm like, uh, I need this. Okay, so tell us about your morning routine. And the moms listening are going to be like, okay, seriously, this is like too epic for me. But if you had to pick two or three things that everybody should do where there's just going to be such great like return on investment, I'm going to say, what would they be? And yeah, I want to hear about your morning routine. And I know everybody else does too. I will definitely explain it. It's definitely extra. <laughs> and I have no shame in saying that it is because I know it is. Um, and again, some of these things that I do, it's not necessary for health per se. And it's easy to, in this space, to want to hop on board with all of these new gadgets, somewhat biohacky, or, you know, eating the superfoods and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, just because a food is a superfood or you have these certain things, that doesn't cultivate health per se. And so it doesn't equal health. And so that's something that I want to take away too. And I hope that I don't put that message off on social media that I do these things because I enjoy them and they're an investment in my health, but you don't need them to be healthy. And so some of those fundamentals for health, I would say, and part of that morning routine is I like to expose my eyes to sunlight first thing in the morning. Now it's not always sunny, but I love to get outside or walk out to my patio uh, and just see the sun, see the red light from the rising sun, get some of that natural blue light from the sun instead of first getting on my phone. Uh, and I will tell you too, that it, that has been a work in progress for me because it's addicting. Instagram is addicting. I don't know if you can feel, if you say the same thing, I know that oh, you did Oh yeah. That can be a whole nother podcast. Yeah. And you did a, what was it? Like 30, 30 minutes a day. Was that what it was? I did a cleanse. <laughs> It lasted a month. I told you it's a whole nother podcast. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. So, um, you know, not getting on my phone first thing, uh, exposing myself to sunlight. And then I love to do dry brushing, which is uh, great for, uh, it's a form of like lymphatic massage and mobilizing the lymph and the lymph system and mobilizing toxins and blood flow. Uh, it is also great as a skin exfoliant. Um, and so the lymph you can think of as a trash shoot. Uh, where a lot of our uh, metabolic waste actually gets sent to and, you know, immune cells and stuff like that. Uh, once it's clear, it gets sent to the immune system. And unlike the cardiovascular system, your immune or your lymph system does not have a manual pump. So what moves it is stuff like dry brushing, using things like lymphagogues, um, manual massage, and moving your body. That's where the movement aspect and exercise is so important. And then when you sweat, you sweat out all those toxins. Um, but I love to start my morning by exposing myself to some sunlight. I'll even do some modified Qigong. So it's just deep diaphragmatic breathing and then shaking my body throughout, which is also going to help move the lymph. It also helps move a lot of people within you know, the first hour or so of waking up, they should be going and using the restroom and having a bowel movement. And so doing that shaking, that qigong, it's a type of rebounding in a way, helps facilitate that first bowel movement first thing in the morning, move that stagnant energy that has kind of pooled overnight and, and flush that vitality around. Um, and then I love to do oil pulling. And so that's just with coconut oil, uh, Ayurvedic medicine, uh, does sesame oil, but I use unrefined oil and I'll switch that around for 10 minutes in my mouth and then take a shower and get ready for my day. So those are the ones that I would recommend everybody consider is, you know, just exposing yourself to the rising sun, the dry brushing, which you can find cheap on Amazon and then oil pulling, and then some of the other things that I like to do, I will do red light therapy, uh, which I've recently gotten into, and I'll use, I use the Juve, and uh, it's a company that uses uh, both red light and far infrared uh, technology to deliver um, red light, and this light therapy, which is so great, especially first thing, give your body some of that red light to help regulate circadian rhythm, to boost collagen production. It also just boosts my mood in general. I've noticed that just living in Portland where it's more overcast and gloomy, that it's a form of light therapy for me that really boosts my mood. And I've been doing that for almost 10 weeks now and I really enjoy it. So I will do that upon waking too before actually just looking at a blue screen. Um, and then exercise, I will typically exercise three days a week, uh, and go to the gym or I'll go to a yoga class. Um, and so to do that, I will get up at five fifteen in the morning and I know not everybody has that luxury. Um, but even if I don't, 
have time to go to the gym, I will do like a sun salutation um, or I will do, and so like a simple yoga flow. Um, maybe I will just go walk up and down the stairs or go walk outside, get outside and go for a 30 minute walk and just listen to a podcast. Typically every morning when I am um, making breakfast and packing my lunch for the day, I am listening to a podcast. So that's a great way to kind of just listen to somebody else's wisdom and soak it up in the morning before I have a full day of lecture and courses. So I know that was a lot, but... No, um, it's amazing. I'm super inspired to try the red light, I have to say. Is it like a big device? I know you have like a, like highlights on your page where you talk about it. Yeah, so I have the Juve Go. It's a portable one that is a little bit bigger than your hand. And oh. um, that's convenient. And it's going to be also cheaper too. It's going to be the least expensive. But they have ones that are um, a small size that are probably as big as your forearm. And then they have bigger ones all the way to ones that would cover your entire door. Um, and you would do a full photobiomodulation therapy. And that's what they call the red light therapy exposure. And there's actually a lot of research on PubMed. If you Google photobiomodulation, it's pretty incredible. It's uh, benefits not only for athletic performance, but even using it for like atopic dermatitis and psoriasis and acne um, and for a lot of your superficial skin care because of the benefits for collagen and being able to boost um, mitochondrial function, specifically the electron transport chain on a, on a more cellular level. Um, so there's so many great things that red light therapy can provide. Wow. Well, I love that morning routine and I want to make a couple of points for my listeners. One is that we had Dr. Viv of Plateful Health on a couple of episodes ago and she does quite a bit of that morning routine and she has kids. So no excuses, people. She says it's actually pretty quick. She does the dry brushing. She does a quick yoga flow. She looks at sunlight and she does sometimes the red light therapy. And I know she does the oil pulling. So it's possible in mom life. And if she can do it, we can do it. And I'm going to start a couple of these practices, adding them to my morning routine as well. Something I want to talk about last uh, few minutes, wish we could keep talking and hopefully we'll have you back on the show. But um, social media, and I wanted to ask about just like negativity, um, if you've experienced that at all. And especially like, you know, you talked about how you started your page as a vegan page and then now you're, you're plant-based like responsible omnivore i call myself um yeah. i mean do you get a lot of hate mail on instagram i definitely do and it comes with the territory of mm -hmm. the growth and well said and so it's thing that i used to take and internalize um as i was growing but the more i've grown the, it's kind of like you learn through the experiences like with anybody you learn through those experiences and so i've learned to not take it as harshly and that there's a lot of people on social media too that will say things that they would never say to you in person and that there's a lot of people as well that are coming into a situation where they have no context of you and they are coming in with the approach of already trying to misunderstand you they have no um inkling to actually want to understand or hear you out and what you stand for they just want to argue with you and so you have to pick those battles and ultimately i've you know there's a couple where it's like you know what i want to say my one thing and that's it and then i'll let everybody else kind of just leave comments but ultimately it's not worth my time all the time to invest and to um try to fight with somebody again just because these people are coming in with this mindset that they're already going to misunderstand me so i've learned where to allocate my time and what to respond to and when and what not to respond to Granted, you know, there are still things that people will say and you can totally tell that it's meant to hurt you. And I also realize it's not a reflection of my work. It's a reflection of them sometimes. So I kind of just put it back on them and that, you know, I really want to help these people. And if people are coming in with the, you know, criticism with the intention of wanting to learn more, that is totally a different story than to um, tell somebody that they are wrong or whatever they are saying is not true and to try to create this polarizing dynamic where I am better than you. And so something that I've also been learning through this thing is to not try to create this, um, this uh, differential where I am all knowing because I am the author of my page and being very receptive to what everybody else has to say and that I hear them because I think that's also an issue in our medical society is that we are dismissive 
um, of other people's issues and that if it doesn't show up on labs, that it's not true and that it's all in your head. And so there's a lot of power in listening to other people and providing space. And so many people do not have that space to to use their voice. And so I definitely try to give every person that opportunity to speak their truth, even though it's on my page. But there are definitely those trolls that keep coming. And if that is the case, I have gotten to a point where I've had to block some people. And I am totally fine with that because I want it to be a conductive learning environment or conducive learning environment for everyone. But if somebody comes on and they're an angry vegan and they're telling other people that eating eggs is bad for them and all the harm that they're doing to their body, that is not okay to be telling other people that are commenting on a post what is best for them because they don't know that whole person, their history, what they've gone through, if they dealt with an eating disorder, what they even have access to. Not everybody has access to the types of foods that we are very privileged to have here in America. So for those that are listening from around the world, you know, it is so different. And when I went to Thailand back in December and I stayed in some of these rural villages on the border of, of Thailand and Burma, um, it just really opened my eyes to how much privilege and opportunity we have here in America. And, you know, it was such a humbling experience. And that was the first time I had gone to really more of a third world type country because I was actually living in these rural villages and not in like these resorts that I'm accustomed to. So, you know, there's so much to take from that. And I know I'm kind of giving a long-winded answer, but, um, you know, it's, you never know what people are going through. I try to listen and hear those people out, but I take it with a grain of salt. Um, not to say that sometimes, you know, what someone says can still hurt me because I am human. Um, but I've grown a lot through the experience and I've learned to not take it so harshly and that it's part of the territory and that I would rather put myself out there, speak my truth and do what I believe I was called to do. And that is to empower and to educate people around food and medicine. And that is the field I'm getting into. And by putting myself out there that I can sleep at night because I know I'm doing more good than I am doing harm by robbing people of the rights of this gift that I have. And I feel like that is to educate other people. That's beautiful, Tyler. Um, thank you. Yeah, I agree. Um, want to close with two questions. One is, do you feel like you still have a health challenge that you'd like to overcome? Or do you feel pretty I, good? I feel real. I feel like I'm in a such high vibrational state right now. And just my health has definitely been the best it's ever been in my life from all aspects, from emotional health to spiritual health to physical health and my relationship with exercise to food. Um, you know, everything in between and it's, it's grown so much. And, and that's been the amazing part because I used to look at health as just what I'm eating and am I exercising? And I've just totally expanded this to a different dimension on my relationships, the community I surround myself with, um, the aspect of love and coming from an intention and aspect of love and finding the best in everybody. Um, cause I truly believe that everyone you know, means well, or they have a side of them that is coming from a place of love, but sometimes it's just not fully showing and being easier on myself and really just opening my mind to all these new opportunities and what it truly means to be healthy. Um, I would say that I still do struggle with stress and anxiety that comes with the day-to-day -day demands that I definitely put myself under. I mean, I'm a very high performing, uh, achieving individual, uh, with all the things that I try to do, but just realizing that it's okay to do nothing sometimes and to, um, you know, forgive myself and to just, you know, go for a walk to just drop everything sometimes in the middle of a school day and be like, I am overwhelmed. I'm going to go take a hike and I'm just going to leave school for the day because sometimes that's what I need. And so, uh, I guess it's just being more gentle with myself and continuing to seek and find that balance in life. Thank you. That is something so many struggle with. I love that advice and perspective. And what would you say is your biggest superpower? I would say my biggest superpower is my ability to time manage 
in order to accomplish all these things that I have set out to do. Um, and really just, I would say that athletics really instilled this desire and this work ethic to never stop chasing for what I believe in. And that's, you know, again, finding that way to get it done. Um, it's easier to find an excuse to not get things done and realizing that, you know, I really have full power and autonomy over what I want to do with my life. Um, and I am really grateful for that because not everybody has that privilege. And so being able to delegate my time and spending my time um, wisely, which is going to propel me further in this career and what I'm doing right now, um, I would credit a lot of my athletics to that and my ability to, to manage that time. Yeah, you definitely feel like if you seem like you're spinning many plates at once very beautifully. So um, I love that. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for being here. You are truly a gift um, to the world on Instagram, on social, and I'm, I know you're going to do amazing things, new things. And if you haven't checked out Functional Foods on Instagram and Facebook, you must um, follow Tyler. It really is um, such elevated content is the only way I can put it. And um, can't wait to have you back on the show. And to all the listeners, thank you for listening. Please do leave a rating and review on iTunes and um, hope to see you on the next episode of Mom Light. Bye guys. And thanks again, Tyler. Thank you, Kanchan.